0: Mix in the dark hey what's up it's my gang from mix in the dark welcome to another episode i know some of you are wondering about part two of come home late and it will follow you i do have it and i have read it however the owner of the story is not ready for it to be released and that's not up to me at all so we're going to respect that part of her and continue our regular scary stories i have such an interesting story this week It is called My First Love. This episode is a lot shorter than most. And usually when I have short episodes like this, I like to combine a few stories together to make the whole episode a little longer. But I decided to let this one stand on its own. And the reason why is mainly because I just think that it is a very unique story. Don't get me wrong. When I first read the story, I was thinking to myself that this is definitely a love story and not a scary story. And why on earth would this person send me the story. But let me tell you, it is definitely a scary story. Take a listen. Please enjoy. The first time I fell in love was in the humid summer of 1979, in a refugee camp of all places. Love was not on my mind because the violence of war was still looming over us, but somehow my family made it out safe in one piece and living in Thailand. The camp where we lived wasn't as big as Ban Vinai or Lungking or the other refugee villages, it was a bit further away. It was much smaller, no fences or wires, and we were free to come and go as we pleased in our small village. The rhythmic chopping of bamboo wood by my father brings me much nostalgia of building our first house there. We didn't get as many supplies as Ban Vinai did, though, so it was rough. Still, Hmong folks were known for making the best of things, and we made do with refugee camp life. Becoming a nine-year-old is a funny time in a woman's life. You're not quite a teenager yet, but you hate being called a child since you have so many duties and responsibilities. I couldn't complain. I was alive. It's also a time when you start to have a small sense of yourself as an individual, yet at the same time, you become quite curious about the world around you. You begin to develop crushes, sure, but the act of loving someone who isn't family was still alien to me at the time. I would hear stories about women and abusive relationships, and although I have never been hit by someone I loved, I can relate to becoming afraid of someone who you once loved. It all started one night when I was sleeping on my bed next to the thin sheet wall of wood in our house at camp. A gingerly voice came through the wall calling my name, Ba, or Flower. Startled, I remained quiet, still pretending to sleep. The voice introduced himself as Ching, a local 12-year-old boy who also lived in a refugee camp further away. He was visiting our small camp today to deliver some goods and had seen me but was too shy to introduce himself because I was so pretty, he said nobody outside my family had ever called me that before the first few nights i never said anything back out of fear but chang returned dutifully every night after my family was sound asleep and i was awake and he would tell me stories of his travels outside of camp he told stories of how he encountered a water buffalo as big as a house and how he once pieced together the bones of a water dragon, spending days fishing by the river shore. I was told never to leave the camp without an escort, so I was fascinated by his stories and found myself anticipating his nightly visits to hear even more. As I became more comfortable with Ching, I asked him once how I could possibly contact him. Back then, people just ran into each other by chance and had to plan beforehand before meeting again. He said, just feel me out. You felt it, I'm sure. He was right. I could feel his presence like a building emotion welling up inside me. And when I felt like I was going to burst, his voice would slip through the thin walls of our house like a whiff of sweet fragrance, relaxing me into a romantic stupor. He told me that feeling was love. I would lay there. My head resting on my hand, smiling to myself, and listening to Ching stories for hours until I fell asleep. One night, I asked to meet him, face to face. I wanted to see what his eyes looked like. I remember having this strange urge to hold his hand and imagining what that would feel like. He replied that he thought he was still too ugly for me, that if I saw him, I would lose interest immediately. But I didn't care. He had already won me over. Still, he said when the time was right, we would meet and it would be worth the wait. One morning, I was awoken by a ruckus that started outside by one of our neighbors. As I exited the house, wiping my eyes because I stayed up late with Ching, I saw a crowd of people gathering outside. My neighbor's daughter Shaw. A girl who was roughly just a few years older than me had slipped away in the night and had gone missing. Her mother confessed to the crowd that she had been recently talking to a boy. Everyone assumed she ran off to get married. The elder calmed everyone down and said that if she was married, a mikong or a wedding negotiator from the boy's family would come in a day or so. I was shocked as the crowd began to disperse, but I could relate to Xua's plight. I had seen Xua and her boyfriend a few times. He would visit her when the parents were out and at the garden and when she was home alone. It looked like they were in love. I couldn't wait to tell Cheng what had happened, but he didn't come that night. Cheng would return from a long trip a couple of days later, but all I could tell him was that the Mikong for Shaw never came then it happened my father had finally gotten noticed that we were ready to leave for america a christian church had sponsored us to live in their community in the states my parents were ecstatic as i tried to hide my heartbreak i didn't know how to break it to chang i almost didn't want to that night chang came by as usual i told him the news and although he said he was happy for me I could hear sadness in his voice. I asked him to go find a sponsor too, that we could reunite somewhere in America. I would make the effort to find him. He was hesitant. He said America was a place where he couldn't live. It was all too different. That this place was his home. My heart broke and it was the first time I felt sadness over another person. I couldn't help myself, and I got up and hurriedly opened the door and went outside to see Ching. As I rounded the corner of our small house, he was gone. I heard the shuffling of clothing and movement of the shadows in the moonlight. I kept whispering, Chang! Chang! Looking for his figure in the dark. Then something came behind me and grabbed my shoulder. It was my dad. He asked what I was doing outside so late, and I couldn't answer him at first. I told him I heard something, looking at the ground the whole time. He knew I was lying and ordered me back into the house. My father slept by the door for the remainder of the time when we stayed in the village. Ching did not return the next night, and he would not return until the night before the arrival of the truck that would take our family away to America. He had some exciting news for me, and a plan. That night, he begged me incessantly to go with him. I was torn, but I couldn't express it enough to Cheng. He was so eager on his plan. He explained that on my daily path to the garden, there was a fork in the road that led over a ridge. The path leads into a small stream, which is easy to cross, but will lead into this dense forest. He would then mark a tree with a red piece of cloth so that I knew I was on the right track. I should then follow that into the forest. Not much further, he said, there would be a home that he had been building for us. He had also found Shua and her new husband, and they had come to live with him and were elated that I was going to join them. I mildly agreed to the plan because Chang would not take no for an answer. At the end, he told me he loved me, and I told him I loved him back seconds later i was asleep the next day i was with my mother on our path to the garden to gather up some last minute things i told her i needed to pee once we got to the fork in the path and she told me not to wander too far i ended up taking the path and sure enough i came across the small stream chang spoke about i scanned the stream the slow moving water and the surrounding trees and found the red piece of cloth nailed to a tree across the river. I began to contemplate as the trickling stream and the sound of birds in the distance put me in a trance. I gripped the straps of my basket anxiously. It was then in my young life that I realized that we are all one or two choices away from a very different life. I tried to imagine my life with Ching, starting my own family, joining him on his adventures, the idea brought a smile to my face. But then, the thought of my parents alone in a new strange land, it pulled me back into reality. In my hesitation, I could hear my mom calling for me. It was then that I made my solemn choice to return. The time finally came for us to leave our village and home that I grew up in. Those who were leaving boarded an old pickup truck to be taken to the airport. My parents helped pull me up to the truck as I held on to the only thing I ever owned, a small bag of clothing. As the truck pulled away, there were relatives reaching out and holding hands with those on the truck. Everyone was crying. I sat with my family, still heartbroken. I was not able to see Chang before I leave. Then as soon as I looked up one last time, I saw a face in the crowd. The most handsome boy in the crowd stood there, making eye contact with me. I knew it was him. It had to be him. I called out to him. "Cheng, Chang! I screamed. My parents held me back as I sprung up. They thought I had gone crazy. I hoped Chang would be running towards me, trying to stop me from leaving. But he just stood there, his eyes full of disdain and resentment. Maybe I was mistaken. I gave in to my parents' restraint and sat back down befuddled. The crowd, the village, and Chang began to look smaller and smaller in the distance, until they were completely gone from view. I am married now. I met my husband in the States, and he's been very kind to me. I couldn't ask for a better father for my four children. they will never admit it, I still think of Chang today in our life if things went his way. Years later and once my kids were fully grown, my husband and I saved up for a trip back to Thailand. For him, it was a romantic getaway, but for me, I was looking for something else. When we returned to Thailand, none of the camps existed anymore. Everything was torn down and the overgrown greens have returned to the hills. If I had not experienced my childhood there, you would have never known that Hmong people had once lived there at all but I still remember the trails and I used my memory to retrace my steps as best I could. When I came across the trail to the ridge, it had been converted to anchors of rice fields. I saw a few farmers strung over the fields. I walked up to the closest one and asked her questions about the trail. The lady farmer with a buffalo gave me a confused look. She told me nothing was over there anymore, just more jungle forest. My heart ached. I just wanted it to be true. I took the trail pass over the ridge, almost running. For a moment, I was that nine-year-old girl again, looking for the love I left behind. This took my husband by surprise as he followed, asking if there was some sort of emergency. I did not respond. I followed that trail for what seemed like forever into this deep forested area. The stream was long gone, but the red cloth, it was still there. Weathered, but still red as ever, I knew I was on the right path. As I overstepped foliage and roots, I imagined a handsome, matured Chang standing in front of a beautiful home, asking what took me so long. I would see my old friend Shuo again, and her husband, and exchange stories about our kids. I eventually came across a clearing that had long been forgotten. There was a small building, But all that was left of it was a broken foundation, abandoned long ago. I noticed another torn piece of red cloth nailed into a rotten wooden beam. I walked past many piles of rocks, mostly covered with years of moss, as I crossed the clearing. In a silly attempt, I closed my eyes and tried to feel Cheng's presence, but felt nothing. As I got closer, almost feeling faint, my husband stopped me and warned me to be careful. He pointed out that the surrounding formation of the rocks meant that we were standing in the middle of an old graveyard meant for Hmong children. Thank you for listening to Mix in the Dark. I am your host, Mai Mix Mixed in the Dark is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast series. If you have a story that you would like to share, please send it to mixinthedark at gmail.com. If there's a story that you really enjoyed, feel free to hit up my tip jar on Venmo. Just search Mix in the Dark on the business tab.